She has yeah. been noticing. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are the pat-on-the-back moments where you think, oh, we're getting somewhere. It's not just this endless, bottomless black pit that you're throwing all your love into. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Truthbook with me, Catherine Smith, a mum and clinical psychologist. I am on a mission to get us more connected, sharing real stories about family life. You will let out a sigh of relief knowing it's not just you be empowered by other people's words and share a giggle at the funnier side of family life. On this episode, Dawn Meredith is my guest. Author, teacher, counsellor, artist and mum. She encompasses all things creative and is driven by strong values that have seen her swap urban life for a rural farm life and unplug the TV. We chat about the tornado in her mind, her escape to Hoodie Land when she's reached her limit, and the ever-present guilt monster telling her that she should not be taking time out for herself. And a rare night off being mum leaves a taste of what life once kids have left home might just be like. An absolute pleasure to be sitting here with Dawn Meredith to have you on Truthbook. Thank you for coming along, Dawn. Thank you. And we are sitting in your beautiful farm, Northwest Tassie, mm. in the studio um, where you work. And but you grew up in England, Norway, and Australia. I did. And despite how many years is it you've been in the Southern Hemisphere? Oh, most of my life, I'd say. Most of your life. Yeah. But you yeah. still find celebrating Christmas in the summer mm. is, it seems strange, so ditto. Yeah, it's I, just wrong. It is just wrong. <laughs> There's no other word. It's no. But you're a children's author, amongst lots of other things that we'll come to, with driven by a passion, and in your own words, to excite kids to turn off the computer, delve into the extraordinary imaginary world of books expanding their thinking, challenge their narrow view of the world yeah. and open their minds to discover new and exciting ideas. And you achieved that with my kids. They absolutely loved the Anything Shop, one of your early books. Yes, uh, fairly early. Where kids can trade anything, mm. to exchange anything for their dream toy. And when they exchange hugs for a cricket bat that would hit six runs every time, they quickly missed their hugs. That's right. Yes. And your latest book, Elkwood, was just published on the mm-hmm. 3rd of October. But listeners can check out all the links to all 13 books in the show notes. You started out as a secondary school art teacher and you said you lasted about five minutes. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't my thing. <laughs> that wasn't your thing. And then you <laughs> spent the next 28 years in special education and Correct. a literacy specialist and a children's counsellor. That's um, right, yeah. But most recently... Here we are sitting on this farm. You swapped teaching for farming. You yeah. Up sticks. And you've been here for three years now mm-hmm. with about 300 sheep. Currently. All of whom have names. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, ridiculous, but true. <laughs> and for those that know a bit about me, that's our link was through my husband and sheep. But, mm. um, you moved here with your husband, Al, and your daughter, Rosie, 15 year old daughter. Yes. And you've not looked back. No, 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 no. But I had to put this in. Ben is also a dog trainer. And a highlight for me was reading that he was involved in Home and Away. Yeah, he was. We'd been on set together a few times, but mostly it was his his thing. Yeah, Yeah, we did dog sports together before Rosie came 
along. And we were on Home and Away three times, three different periods with the same dog and nobody picked it that it wasn't the same dog. Oh, <laughs> mm. well, so that was interesting. Yes. Yeah, and I, I have the the same gene already in my in my head. I loved <laughs> women away when I was younger, so that's yeah. But chronic pain since you were in a serious car accident in 1999 has made balancing life and creativity tricky. Yes, and parenthood and parenting and parenting. So I'd like to start there just by asking, what are the challenges? behind the scenes of what does read like a very colourful, creative, multi-talented dawn. Mm. Yes, it's a good smokescreen, isn't it? I <clears throat> am one of those very annoying creative people. Um, I used to sing and write songs and play instruments. I excelled in art and I'm a published author. But to be a creative person, you have to spend a lot of time in your own mind and it's constantly churning with things. I call it a the swirling tornado. And if you've <laughs> seen those movies where they're chasing tornadoes and you see bits of sheds and cows swirling around in the air, oh. that that's what my brain is like. And if someone asks a question like, Mum, can I have such and such for dinner? It's like they just threw in another cow <laughs> and it just gets too overwhelming. So trying to balance creativity with reality is difficult. And then you've got being a creative person, you do have to struggle sometimes with being, I am a practical person, but it takes a lot of mental effort to switch off the creative and mm. focus on the practical. And being a parent, as you know, mm. you've got to be omnipresent pretty much mm. and not only notice what's going on now, but what could possibly happen, you know, the unintended consequences and that sort of thing. Mm. So, yes, and then there's the guilt of do I have the right to go into my studio and lock myself away and do what I need to do when my child might be distressed or had a bad day or in a terrible mood? So, yeah, it's not easy That's in that sense. Mm. And I like that image of the tornado. <laughs> Does it ever second? No, and it's worse <laughs> at night. I literally mm. do not sleep sometimes. I don't sleep at all. I will see the sun come up and not have slept a minute. Not often, but probably two or three times a year that would happen. But most nights <clears throat> I struggle to get to sleep because I have a song playing in my head constantly, any song that I've listened to recently, sometimes songs that I've made up. I have conversations playing in my head constantly, memories, things that have happened, decisions I've made that I think, oh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, I'm just constantly ruminating. Okay. It's not not a fun place to be in that sense. Mm. So when I'm... Making something with my hands, it quietens all that and I feel a sense of release and fulfilment in creating something beautiful. Yes, I read you've created 60 quilts. I have. That's amongst <laughs> lot other crocheting. And yes, yeah, I know. It's a bit manic that way but mm. it, it's it, the process of creativity is very important. And if mm. you end up with something nice, that's lovely. Mm. But it's the process of creation that feeds me and and that's where the balance comes in. I mm -hmm. have to say no to my family sometimes to refill the well. <clears throat> Otherwise, mm -hmm. I just don't cope. Mm -hmm. And the move to the farm, because that was a creative vision yes. that you had. But that also involved moving your daughter Yes, to what's absolutely idyllic 
but quite isolated. Very setting. isolated. Yes. So we've swapped suburbia, a quarter acre, for a hundred acres, mm. half an hour from town, mm. and in a place where people are quite separate from each other mm. geographically. Mm. <clears throat> it's a lovely community, but there's you know we're all very separate from each yeah. other. Yeah. And for Rosie, it was extremely difficult because she went from a suburban lifestyle where she knew everyone. There were kids in her class that lived around us. The pool mm. was 500 metres from our house. Mm. School was just around the corner mm. to a farm that needed a lot of work. Like the way it looks now is not how it was when we bought yeah. it. Yeah. And she struggled for the first couple of years. Mm. Yeah, she, mm. she pretty much hated it. And then um, you think, well, have I done the right thing? But yeah. we knew we had and we still have faith in that decision. But we're both balancing chronic illness with all this. And so what we want to do and what we can do is not always the same. Mm. Mm. There's a great disparity between your expectations of yourself and what you can actually do. Mm. And then you've got a teenager who's going through grief and loss from leaving all her friends behind mm. and... Yeah that's challenging for her and yeah and we left 20 years of friendships behind too and because we have no family here over the eastern states we don't have a buffer Mm. we just had to start again so knowing that this could be very challenging and then facing the challenges what drove you to to make that big decision We'd always wanted land. We'd always wanted a more rural lifestyle. We just couldn't get it in the Blue Mountains. Land is at a premium there. Mm-hmm. And had reached a point with his work, he would drive down into the city every day and spend two hours in traffic, and then he'd drive a fast ferry on the harbour all day mm-hmm. and then drive home again and had a series of accidents at work due to their unsafe practices, which impacted his ability to do that job. Mm. And in the end, his specialist said, you need to get out of here or it's going to kill you. Oh, okay. So it had to be a drastic thing. Mm -hmm. And our relationship is such that I'm the one with the ideas Mm. Mm -hmm. and Al might like those ideas, but he struggles to make the move and commit. So we went on a big trip overseas to Mm. see family and when we came back, I said, we're moving. We've got to. We've got to get out of here. We can't leave it any longer. Okay. So the tornado was going. The tornado was going, and, <laughs> and sometimes it works to, for you if you let it take its course. That's right. But then you've got yeah. to know when to jump out. It so we to, we flew and, down in mm. November, twenty seventeen, and we'd already been looking for eighteen months. So it wasn't mm. A, mm. a spur of the moment thing. No. It's it's like that with me. I I will spend quite a lot of time researching, but when the time comes to make the decision, I'll just jump in and do it. Mm. So we came down, we saw a few houses, but I knew already that this was the only one that was Mm. going to work for us. Mm. And we saw it, we put in an offer the next day, and then two months later we moved in. Wow. I know. It's crazy. And looking back, if if we were to ask Rosie, what do you think she would say about how you dealt with that challenge? I have no idea. Uh, (laughs) My organisational brain just kicked in. There was mm. so much to do. We had okay. 20 years of stuff to get mm. rid of. Mm. There was a lot of paperwork and things mm. like that that you have mm. to do. <clears throat> and we wanted to get her into school at the beginning of term, so yeah. that's why it was such a tight 
time yeah. frame. Yeah. And we drove down from the Blue Mountains down through Victoria and it was 42 degrees that day. Whoa. And we had you won't miss that two dogs, yeah. two chickens and a cat in the car <laughs> what an image. and a horse float full of stuff, yeah. uh, including two rifles and ammunition and a small fridge and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. Yeah, it was, and the air conditioning just wasn't coping and I was mm. really stressed, really mm. stressed. And because of my condition, I don't cope with heat anyway. So we we got onto the ferry. We spent the night on the ferry and we arrived here at 20 past seven. And yet you didn't pull the plug at any point. You, obviously you were committed. Absolutely. But, but the, what, yep. what kept you going through that? What, what I wanted Stress. for my family. So the vision. Absolutely. We, I mean, this yeah. is a lifestyle that Rosie didn't know that she wanted. That. And that's as a parent, you have to make those choices for your children. You know what's best mm-hmm. for them and you do the best you can to give it to them. That is something that I think a lot of parents grapple with. Mm. What is going to be best for them to be happy in the moment, but what's best for them long term? And you've shown her a life that she didn't know she wanted. Mm. The really weird thing was lockdown last yeah. year which Al and I found extremely stressful having her here and bored every day, all day. Yeah. And we're both teachers. So between us, we could cover the whole curriculum. That wasn't the issue, but mm-hmm. she, you know, as children do, they don't want to learn from their parents. You know, mm. you don't know anything. Mm. But we settled into a routine. And with Rosie, I find that is the crucial thing is consistency and routine for her. She can expect that things will happen in a certain way. She calms down. Yes. And she actually said to me, after lockdown had finished, she really enjoyed it mm, and it gave her an, an appreciation of this lifestyle because she would oh. take herself off with her dog yeah. for walks Yeah, and she started to calm down. Mm. She said, Mum, I hadn't really adjusted to living on the farm until then. Mm. I hadn't had time because it was straight into school. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. And so she hadn't had time to learn to love it. So, mm. yeah. So you have passed on that gift to her of this is the other side of what life can be like but it's scary because you don't have all the amenities around you no. you, you have to be more self-sufficient absolutely but that's lovely that being immersed in it rosie said actually this i can see the value of, of living here and yeah she and can compare it. her life mm. to her friends who live in town mm. and we made the decision years ago to disconnect the television so we don't actually have the TV connected wow. okay. and we've continued that here. We watch one DVD episode a night together as a family while we're eating dinner and that's it. Yeah. Occasionally she'll watch a movie or something like mm. that on the weekend. Mm. But mm. we made the conscious decision to remove television from our lives and it gives mm. you the freedom and time to appreciate your environment. When I hear these things, I, half of me, I'm full of admiration that, <laughs> that you can do that. Well, for, for Rosie, she she may feel all my other friends are getting to watch TV and do things. She was resentful, um, absolutely. But as she's matured, she understands. One of the reasons we turned it off was mm. that it was overwhelming her. Mm. She mm. needed to have it on because it was a comfort thing. Mm. But at the same time, it would overwhelm her and then her behaviour would disintegrate. And, you know, 
the ads are really noisy, so we'd mm. mute the ads. And then she mm. got upset saying, well, how will you know what to buy if you don't have the ads on? So a child's logic is very different to mm. an adult's logic. Mm. She thought we needed it. And then we just decided this isn't working. We have yeah. to change tack. You know, there's mm. no point continuing with something that's not working. So you have to look at it differently. And for a while, because she had an extra hour after school in the mountains because the school was closer, mm. so she had a TV show she could watch in the afternoons mm. and <laughs> started her on a steady diet of Little House on the Prairie and those <laughs> sorts of things. <laughs> and it was a way of giving her that sense of, okay, what's it like for a family to live on the land mm. and mm. what are family values? Mm. Because a lot of kids' shows now, the kids are very sassy. They're very critical of the adults around them, and I do not like that. I do not like that. I don't think it helps anyone. It gives kids a false impression of what the relationship should be like. Mm. You know, a a child's right is to be guided by their parents, and I've said that to Rosie on a number Mm. of occasions, and she's still struggling to understand what that means. It's, you know, her right to be guided by us, but that's your job. And if the media is telling her that your parents are idiots – Mm. Where does that leave her? She's in limbo. She's got no one to guide her that she has any faith in and she's got to be her own adult that doesn't work. My so. tummy's turning and I know my daughter does watch YouTube, which I really don't like. And, and yeah, the, the, and she'll sometimes like she says to me, I, I don't think I should be watching this. Turn yeah. it off. And this yeah. is something but that... so many families, it's such a... It's a huge struggle. It's a huge struggle. Yeah. Navigating your way through having a phone child Mm. having a phone, Mm. access to the internet. Mm. The one thing that this is why we've swapped schools recently and sent her to a private school Mm. is the iPad that was mandatory with school caused so much conflict in our house. Huge, huge conflict because she was always wanting to be connected to the internet Mm. and no child should be trusted with the internet. That's my personal view. I've seen too much damage and they don't have the capacity to determine what is helpful and what isn't, what is a good influence and what isn't, because the internet is des- is designed to keep you on it. Yes, so it will throw yes, things at you. It will use the analytics to make sure that it presents to you the sorts of things that you've indicated you're interested in. So mm. it will continue to feed that. And as I said to Rosie, she hates it when I use biology. Your frontal lobe is continuing to develop until you're 25 which means you don't have the capacity mm. to control impulses properly until you're 25, mm. uh, and that's reflected in the road toll, car accidents, yeah. etc. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the capacity to notice whether something is harming you or not. So that's mm. why you need your parents to guide you. Mm. So it's been really tricky, and, of course, Al and I don't always agree. You know, he likes her to have freedom, and I think of impacts so it's a it's a struggle sometimes to agree on how to tackle something. Do you ever waver? Do you ever think, no. oh, it would just be easier? Because oh, <laughs> I'm just absolutely. thinking what other parents might be thinking. Well, look, it, it is easy. Do you easy. ever waver and think, oh. It is super easy to give in. Yeah. But, Catherine, I spent my entire working life working with other people's children, mm. and a lot of them, it was one-to-one. Mm. So you get to know the family, you get to know the children. There's mm. always stuff going on in families that makes it harder for them to do what they want to do for mm. their child. Mm. But the number one thing that never works is giving in, never. And and it's easy to mm. give in and you think, oh, I'm just tired and I have done it and regretted it because it just creates a bigger bubble 
later on. Oh, you gave in on this, so mm. now I want you to give in on this and this and this and this. Mm. So you have to be really strong. And I think what works in our family is that we are communicators. We talk about everything. Mm-hmm. Like she will talk to her dad about boyfriends, you know, mm. the biology of her development sometimes, which freaks him out. But I say to him, look, she is confiding in you. This is amazing. That's, Go with it. Yeah. And we talk about the psychology of people's behaviour, mm. you know, and helping her manage these things because socially she struggles. So as long as we're talking, things mm. can work. It's when we stop talking that there's a problem and that's why the television had to be turned off. Okay. We yeah. talk more. I'm wondering, it must be it's hard to always be strong and you've learned, you've given him once twice and right, so that learned from that and won't do that again. But when that tornado is going on and you were saying earlier about you're, you're in the middle of something and when someone, asks, you know, Rosie asks you for something and you have to give her your attention, mm. how do you manage to, to stay strong in that moment and not just say okay or, or ignore? Or It is incredibly hard. It, because I have physical issues, sometimes... So I was diagnosed last year with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and mm. there were times when she and I were screaming at each other mm. and I could not breathe. Mm. I thought, am I so angry that I can't breathe and I feel chest pain? What mm. is going on? I, mm. It was really scary. And then when I had the diagnosis, I realised it's my blood pressure. It's mm. dropped so badly mm. that I can't breathe. So instead of trying to stay there and reason with her, mm. I'll walk away. And I've discovered an amazing place. It's called Hoodie Land. Oh, tell me. I want to go there. <laughs> Hoodie Land is awesome. Okay. Because of this condition, I get very overwhelmed by noises and bright lights and mm. all the stuff going on in my head. So I put my hoodie on. Mm. I go into bed. Mm. I draw the curtains. Mm. I shut the door. Mm. It's quiet. It's dark. And I just snuggle into bed with my hoodie on. Sometimes I put earplugs in and I just mm. block everything out. Mm. and an hour, maybe two, I feel Mm. so much better. Mm. And because it's extreme, because mum's in bed and you're not allowed to go in there, you Mm. know, mum's reached the end, Mm -hmm. don't disturb her, it gives me that space Mm. and it also legitimises my needs in a way. You know, mum's reached the point where she can't do this anymore, you need to leave her alone. And I've tried to make this studio my space but they both come in here, mom, you know, honey. I feel like putting up a big sign on the door saying, go away. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, reality, sometimes they need you and they they just need you. But if I'm in hoodie land, no, it's Mm. not negotiable. So I do love hoodie land very much. If you could have an image of yourself in those moments, what would you look like if you were a cartoon or a... It wouldn't be pretty. (laughs) Um... You know, it mm. it wouldn't be pretty. I, I can't even imagine it. But mm. I've sometimes thought, what must I look like to her in mm. those moments? Mm. What does my face look like to her? Mm. And she doesn't know that I am motivated by love. She just sees this angry person mm. enforcing her will. She doesn't understand. And so what, what we're trying to teach her by modelling is that when you're angry, mm. don't engage. Walk away. Mm. calm down and mm. then come back and talk mm. about it mm. and that all emotions are valid even anger mm. you know every emotion is valid it's mm. how you um, display that emotion and if it's hurting someone else then 
that's not a good thing. So we're trying to work on when you're angry, walk away and then come back later. And we never go to bed without saying sorry and Mm. I love you, Mm. even if it's hard. And I've said to her, I really don't want to say I love you right now. Mm. I really don't want to be here. But this is what love is. When it's really hard, you still do it. You know, even if I don't like you in this moment, Mm. I'm still going to say I love you and good night. Yeah, it's the repair. It's hugely difficult sometimes. I sound really strong, but it comes at a price. And that's what I'm wondering as I'm listening, that, mm. that, but that strength is driven by love. And we know we don't get upset. If, if we're upset by something, it's because we care about it deeply. Because if we didn't care about it deeply, it wouldn't upset us. Yes, exactly. And because you can see you're an adult, you know, you've, you've lived life and you can see where this is headed and you mm. know it's not good. And you try to cut them off at the pass. And there are times when she's had to learn by her own mistakes. That seems to be the main method. And Mm. I've actually said to her, you know, you don't learn from listening to me. You learn when things fall apart, when disaster happens. Then you suddenly get it. And I said, I'm trying to minimise those times Mm -mm. where it has to fall apart before you get what I'm saying. But as she gets older, I think she's seeing the patterns Mm. herself Mm -hmm. and she's starting to recognise that my motivation isn't because I want what I want. Mm. My motivation is helping her. I like that idea of thinking it's not very nice to think about, but giving ourselves a moment to think, what do we look like in our children's eyes? We maybe don't dwell on that too long, do we? Because it's it's probably not, it's probably quite scary. We're bigger than them, we're taller than them. Absolutely. So that's why it's better to walk away, Mm. have a good cry or whatever you need to do, go for a walk, Mm. listen to music, go to hoodie land, you know. (laughs) It's it's what you're holding back that that makes it difficult. That's the bind of so many of parenting is the difficult decisions that you have to make are made in their interest in the long term but you have to you have to sit with the with the difficult and you're building Absolutely. up a child to be, to be resilient and to cope and to be independent exactly but my goodness is it hard in that moment oh look yeah. i tell you sometimes you feel like you're the only person going through this even though rationally you know that other parents are mm. but sometimes it's good to hear it from someone else that uh, the other day al was struggling with rosie and he went he took her to horse riding and he just happened to be standing next to one of the other dads Mm. who has a daughter the same age Mm. and he hadn't said anything and this other fellow started complaining about his daughter Mm. and it was exactly the same issue that he'd been dealing Mm. with Mm. that day Mm. and he just laughed because he thought this is so funny that he's saying the exact same things to himself that I'm saying to myself like what is going on with this kid you know he, he just didn't understand his daughter at all. And, and that's why it's such a relief to talk about it and to hear that other people are yeah, having similar experiences. But we don't always do that because we're maybe embarrassed or we, we feel that we don't want to share what's happening, you know, that the arguments are shouting. I think the only doubt, I guess, I don't know if doubt is the right word, but the only time I have cause for pause is when I think maybe I'm too firm. Mm-hmm. I seem to be holding back the ocean sometimes. And especially if your partner isn't isn't in agreement with you mm. on in what you've chosen, the line mm. that you've chosen to hold. Mm. If you're not both standing there, your child will pick a chink mm. in your armour and shove an arrow straight in there yes. and they'll know exactly where to put it and 
And I've said to him on quite a few occasions, she's a child and her instinct is to test how strong is our love and commitment to her. And she will do irrational things. They seem irrational. Mm. But if she can find a chink in our armour, she will head straight for it. So we have to have the same, we have to be standing on the line together. Mm. But there are times when I think maybe I'm just too firm. Maybe I'm trying too hard. Maybe, And he's always saying to me, oh, relax. You know, I'm thinking mm. you've got no idea what's going on here. <laughs> it's, yes. <laughs> That's it's, the only thing that, that troubles me sometimes is that mm. I'm too firm. But like I said, I've seen what doesn't work. And you've just got to do what works for your family. What about those moments when you do relax with Rosie, those warm, loving moments? It it changes as she ages. Mm. I used to do, well, we cook. We cook mm. together. Mm. I've got lots of cookbooks, which is if people who've known me my whole life would be amazed because I was a shocking cook and oh. hated being in the kitchen. Oh. <laughs> but Jamie Oliver changed all that. Oh. Um, and cooking is, you know, making something delicious and following a recipe, it's, it's an act of creation. Mm. Mm. And then you get to eat it. Mm. So that's awesome. It teaches her to be patient. Yeah. It teaches her a lot of skills, how to follow instructions, how to mm. think mm. for herself, you know, mm. is that the right temperature? Mm. What how long has it been in it? And we've also done other creative things like I get out the FEMO. Mm. So I'm using a creative process for her to relax and for yeah. us to bond. If I could ask that question again, what would be the image of yourself in those moments or how do you think you would look? I don't know. I, re- I really don't. I have no idea. Nothing pops into my head. <laughs> as long as our, our conversation is calm yeah. and there's smiles and there's mm. eye contact that's what you know yeah, i'm looking for yeah and she's that connection i think so and those yeah. those moments sometimes they're fleeting mm. sometimes they mm. last all afternoon mm. sometimes it just disappears in an instant yeah. and you yeah. think what just happened so you just got to hold on to them yes yeah. and occasionally she'll have an insight that just blows us both away and we think she has been listening she has yeah. been noticing yeah yeah, those are those are the pat on the back moments where you think, oh, we're getting somewhere. It's not just this endless bottomless black pit that you're throwing all your love into. <laughs> That's yeah, a good description. And you're right, we probably don't give ourselves enough pats on the back as parents. And when we do have a moment of, and sometimes it can be when someone else feeds back to you a positive thing about your child. Oh, you know, yeah. That they've been a pleasure to have or... Yeah, um, yeah. You think, yeah. oh, you're doing a good job. You know, she might be a nightmare at home sometimes, but at least she behaves herself mm. when she's with other people. That's yeah. a good thing. Sometimes the strain of being nice around other people is mm. quite wearing for her. Yeah. So she'll get home and mm. let it all out. But yeah, you know, that's that's normal. Yeah. What do you think it would be helpful for us to talk more about as parents, families, keeping our kids safe online? Okay, because that's a lot of parents I've come across yeah. feel they're somehow depriving their child Mm. by not allowing them unfettered access to the internet. Mm. And I'm sorry to say this because it sounds very negative, but they trust their child to self-monitor and that's never going to work Mm. because, like I said, the internet is designed for you to keep clicking. Mm. And that is something that we need to talk about more, that parents need to have a bit more confidence in themselves and their own judgment. If it feels wrong... Don't do it. 
Don't allow your child to use the guilt to manipulate you. Oh, all the other kids are doing it. Mm. Oh, I need a phone. I need mm. this. I need that. You know, like I said, we talk about everything and even when things go wrong, we still talk about it mm. and we try to explain, but sometimes she just doesn't get it. And mm. so you have to say, well, I'm sorry, but this is the decision that we've made and you don't understand now, but you will. It's so hard, isn't it, particularly with the, the peer pressure. Uh, this is how everyone communicates and they're somehow going to be completely left out. The reality is you have to be, you have to start the movement that you want to see happening. And yeah. Yeah. because she switched schools, it's a totally different environment. Mm. Totally different. It's a Christian school. Mm. And Rosie came home and said, most of the kids don't even have phones, Mum. No, that helps. And when we went to the interview, there weren't laptops in the classroom. There was a computer lab and I thought, oh, I was so relieved because I thought that pressure isn't there for the teacher. And when they had mandatory iPads, you're basically giving children a toy and expecting them not to play with it. And they're going to be distracted. And there's enough studies now, quite important studies, that show that technology in the classroom has very little educational value and yet People are still advocating for it. It it doesn't make sense to me. Why would you do I, something that's yeah, I think not it's, going to work? It hasn't worked. It's justified with games or educational or the computer's educational. That mm. It's the future. Mm. And I, no. I find it all incredibly confusing. I don't know where to sit because my kids have iPads or year five or has an iPad and, and mm. it's used in class and it mm. it's what's happening so you can't do anything about it unless you, you know, changing schools not always, not always the, an option and and it's difficult because then you're coming home and, and with Rosie saying well yeah. we're not having screens here and it's but having them at school somehow makes it legitimate oh it's a minefield it, it is a minefield and I, I always strive for the middle ground I don't know if that's a good thing but that's for me balance and harmony is the big thing Mm, mm. i'm trying for in my life so the middle ground is yes you let them have access to technology but you put parameters around it yeah you make it as safe as you as you can i'm wondering how do we make this a wider we have to talk about it just talking about it we have to talk about it to other parents and it can be you know my way of doing things might not work for other people and some some may find it quite challenging how firm i am about this Mm. but as i say i've seen what doesn't work I know I'm I'm, and, I'm feeling inside <laughs> conflicted because we, on the one hand, there's some the restrictions we have I'm, I think are good, but we also probably do more than I'm happy with, and it's but it's a, it's, it's a process, fun. isn't it? Mm. And you refine it as you go, mm. and yes, guilt can be a powerful motivator. It can also hold you back. It mm. can also dent your confidence. Guilt is one of those things that affects you in a multiple in multiple ways but you always have to keep your goal in mind and your goal is you want your child to be independent and self-sufficient and understand the world that they're living in and have these skills that keep them safe and they're not going to learn those skills from their friends Mm. they're going to learn them from you and even teachers are limited in what they can teach the skills they can impart to to students because they've got 25 or 30 of them in a class and they might see three or four hundred in a week So it's up to us as parents. Yes. No, and it's hard, you know, and, and I've I've talked to other parents about this and they're like, oh, I don't have the confidence to do that. And you just have to encourage each other. 
and small steps, you know, make mm. a little change, tweak it, mm. and then move on to something else that you want to tweak mm. and sit down and, and discuss it. Look, you might not understand why I'm doing this, but mm. I'm really concerned about X, Y, Z. And dad and I have decided. Yes. So it's not children making the decision, mm. it's the adults yeah. that they're relying on to protect them. Yeah, and that's keeping that goal in mind, that mm. long-term goal, and that your values as a parent. Absolutely, yeah, to and there's so much mm. pressure on us to cave in. Mm. There's so exactly. much pressure. Yeah. This is why I don't miss television. There's mm. so many shows where I see bad role models, mm. and I think I don't want my child thinking that that's normal and mm. that that is, you know. As a writer, I know that you sometimes introduce characters or ideas into your story for the sake of entertainment mm. or to make a point or to be a bit cheeky mm. or to push the boundaries. That's a writing decision. Mm. It shouldn't be a parenting model. Mm. Mm. And as we draw to an end, have you got a truth book confession for us? Yeah, I do. You do? I do. So we had... We had a kid-free night this last mm. weekend, which doesn't happen very often because we don't have family down here. Mm. And it was it was nice just to have adults around and then have a sleep in. Mm. But some days I think it feels so difficult. I just wish we could skip to 18 because there's three more years of it. And I think, oh, we should just leave home and go to university and start her life, you know. I wish I could be finished with this job. But I think... You know, you have to go through the years and that it's a very short space of time in your life with mm. them and it's mm. over very quickly and we mm. say that to each other on those days. Mm. You know, we say, look, she's only here for a short time, make mm. the most of it because yeah. Al will think, oh, I really need to do this fencing or I've really got to move those sheep. Mm. And Rosie will be saying, Dad, can we do such and such together? And, and he'll look at me and I'll say, you've only got her here for a short time, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes I, I wish, especially when we're in conflict, that we could just skip to 18. Mm. <laughs> That's mm. my little confession. And and have just uh, that bit of breathing space. Mm. Yeah. Um, because you you don't have, you say you don't have space and when you don't have family around, then it's harder. And it, you don't get time yeah. off. You're on all the time. It's a relief when she goes to bed. When the light's out mm. and she's sleeping mm. I can turn off the mum. Yeah. And some days I've made the choice to deny what I need and it might even be, you know, to do with my illness. I mm. really needed time to myself but I kept mm. pushing forward for her sake. Yeah. And I get to the end of the day and I think to myself, I don't know that that was worth it because I'm so depleted now. Tomorrow mm. I'm going to have nothing to give her. So it if that makes any sense it, absolutely keeping yeah, that balance yeah. is really tricky and and like i said if you're a creative person there's mm. stuff going on all the time that wants to come out and mm. you feel yeah. selfish but you know it's like you, you start the day with so many so uh, so much level of, of emotional energy and then bit by bit it gets yeah taken out absolutely and taken out and your your buckets of feelings it almost ends up empty i guess if you it does if you've given and it's finding ways of restoring and the worst thing is starting the day with a deficit yeah an emotional energy yeah. deficit yeah you know that that is to be avoided if yeah. you can yeah but that's where like i said i have 
husband and I can say to him, I just need to go to the studio for a couple of hours. Don't disturb me, please. And I might be sitting here playing around with clay and watching Mm. Netflix Mm. to calm the tornado or I might be editing my book that I'm currently working on. Mm. I try to tell myself don't feel guilty about doing nothing, sitting on your sofa in here and Mm. just lying here and relaxing you know Mm. whatever you do to restore that balance is a gift to yourself and your family it's a hard and the guilt is there because the guilt monster uh, Mm. the guilt monster and as you well know that that guilt monster is not going away nope but you can't be ruled by it so you'll come in here anyway and he will come with you (laughs) but that's uh, that's your way of restoring and getting that and there's always yeah, hoodie that. land if things go and too much. Remember there is hoodie land. land. It's awesome. <laughs> yes, that does sound good, just walking away. I love collecting quotes and collecting mm. little, and I've got hundreds of them. And But I remember one in particular, Irma Bombeck, who was mm. a very, she was an American writer, a very sage advice. Mm. She wrote lots of little stories and she had an amazing family life and she said she remembers distinctly when her mother stood in the middle of the kitchen and lifted her apron over her head, <laughs> all the children knew, get out of here now. Mum needs mum time. That was the signal. <laughs> okay. So Hoodie Land is my version of the apron over the head. Ah. You know, you reach the end yeah. and you think, if I don't stop now, I am absolutely going to explode. Or I'm going to fall in a blubbering mess, and I don't want my child to see that. So yeah, that was the signal in in Irma Bombeck's family, which I thought was adorable. <laughs> so we all need uh, a signal. We do. That we says, do. Yep. I'm. I need to pause. Yes. On proceedings and. Yep. Because. Put over your head or a hoodie. Or, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. And mm. as women, I think it's it's a little different for for fathers. I think mothers parent differently. Mm. And, of course, we think differently. You know, genetically we are designed differently and we tend to notice a lot more and take on a lot more. Men have that ability to cut through and just see a single thing, Mm. which is great at times. You can rely on that. But, yeah, it does get overwhelming when you notice everything Mm. and you feel like you have to tackle everything. Is, it, is that making any sense? I it, don't know. It's, but, yes, I, I can certainly relate to that. You're hugely responsible mm, at home and particularly on bringing and the kids. There's um, no one there saying to you, I think you should stop now. I think you're reaching the end. You know, you really should stop way before that hoodie yeah. land point. Yeah. There's no one there to tell you that. No. You have to self-regulate. And then the guilt monster says, but you, you're a bad mother if you ignore your child or she's upset mm. you're not there for her or mm. do you know what I mean but yes if she comes home from school and my room is closed and dark and mm. she knows I'm in there she mm. leaves me alone and I come out and I'm better yes <laughs> having restored maybe the tornado is still going but it's calmer or you've jumped yes you've jumped out. yes okay. well it never goes away but yeah no the number of cows and sheds spinning around inside yeah, it does diminish sometimes. <laughs> no, it's a great analogy. Um, Dawn, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed and I am going to take a huge amount away from this as well as, as a parent, rethinking your goals and and the decisions that you've made to, to come and, and change your life and the, the, the values that have driven that and the goals is wonderful yeah. to hear. So. It was a huge deal. So yeah. thank you very much for sharing your truth with me. Thank you. 
I needed to go to Hoodie Land after my chat with Don. So thought-provoking and honest. What's best for our children can sometimes feel impossible as parents, and the constant presence of a guilt monster and need for a break steering you off course. I love the idea of having a sign or a place to go to when you need a moment to get back on track. If you know someone who would find this or other episodes helpful, share it with them or help others find it by leaving a review or rating. Or even better, come on Truthbook. Your story of how you've navigated family life will inspire and become part of someone else's family survival guide.